This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Hi, this is Arjun. I love to win, but I have found that winning big puts us all in a position of sustained win over time. And that is where the real fun is. In this podcast, it's truly my pleasure and honor to have the best seat in the house to talk to leaders from all walks of life, from all over the world. And the reason that is very important is each one of us are different. Our leadership winning paths are different. And that's the reason these incredible inputs from these leaders who have totally different takes are very important to us. In that spirit, today, my VIP guest is Chip McCaskill. Chip is the founder and CEO of Lavo Solution LLC. Chip provides full-line, intuitive, cost-effective, and accurate chemical dispensing solutions for the cleaning and hygiene industry. And what these words do not reflect in any way is the impact he's making in this new world we inherited without being ready for it. And Chip is making a huge contribution there and his team. And I'm really eager to know the impact he's making there. Chip also before this has been, has held very high impact roles and in every place he has had a total business impact. That is another thing that fascinated me. And some of these impacts, if I look at our general manager at Knight LLC, a a unit of index corporation, impacted all facets of the business, including manufacturing and operations in Mexico and branch distribution in Canada, UK and Australia. And that's the part where his global experience becomes very important for you know, me to learn from. IDEX Corporation, where he has have held multiple roles and some of the key roles are commercial leader for an agricultural and chemical valve manufacturer and with an impact of more than $100 million in a revenue. Acquisition integration manager in Amsterdam and Netherlands. Before that, worked with KPMG in Chicago and Amsterdam. And again, international impact and total business impact has been two words that we can use to describe Chip. Chip, truly an honor and welcome to Secrets to Win Big. Yeah, thanks for having me, Arjun, and I appreciate the time and thanks for the great introduction. Oh, truly a pleasure. It's easy to read when people have actually made major accomplishments like you. But without wasting any time, I really want to jump right into Lavo Solutions. I just want to first understand how you made it, how it became a reality. What was the vision behind it? Yeah, absolutely, Arjun. So yeah, we, we created Lavo Solutions, uh, really the idea almost five years ago, um, really with a, a fundamental belief that the, the cleaning and hygiene industry just needed a, it, it needed a, a bit of a, a boost and a jumpstart. An industry that had uh, really been long neglected in terms of innovation, um, it really just was massively underserved in terms of the right product and simple solutions to, uh, to make for a cleaner, uh, cleaner environment. 
really from a macro standpoint, we looked at it years ago. This is, you know, obviously pre-COVID, you know, you got more people on the planet, more food needed to serve everyone. You had trends toward urbanization and yeah, and within the industry, you know, we, we knew that the potential for sickness was high with the existing practices and tools that existed. And, and that was our aim to, uh, to make the, make the world really cleaner and safer place. So you started about it five years before we all started panicking post COVID. Wow. So in today's world, again, you know, you are the visionary, but I'm just trying to get very tactical because seeing from the COVID world, yeah. how is Lavo Solutions making an impact in this COVID world? Yeah, really the, the biggest thing that we did or identified you know, years ago was that cleaning did not have a root in data to prove that things were clean. And, and that was really the fundamental premise that we built Lavo on was, you know, whether you're a, you know, you go and visit a hotel, whether you go and, and visit a, a restaurant, um, there was not an ability for either the hotel operator, restaurant operator to know that the dishes were clean, your linens were clean, your surfaces were clean, and really sort of, you know, everything in between. And it, it's not that it wasn't possible, right? There, there's lots of different ways to, to gather and put data there. But that's really what we, we did and said was, you know, we have, there, there has to be better mechanisms and better tools to prove that something is clean every single time for the, for the safety of a, a consumers like us. Love that. You know, must have root in data to see results. That's huge because anywhere we go, whether I go to a doctor's office, you know, there's always benchmarks. There's a measurement, there's a benchmark. And even on a lab report, they give you the norms. And you're totally right. Like now that you mentioned, anytime we walk into a hotel, I have no clue whether it is clean or how clean it is. Yeah. So what kind of measures are you guys putting in? So what are some of the things that you're looking at? Yeah, absolutely. So from a, there, there's multiple places to look at it. And you may have seen in some even restaurants and hotels, you go and now a little sticker on the, the front door that says, you know, dis, disinfected and protected or, or something along those lines, a little bit of identification and, and even things that, that, that validate that you're in line with CDC guidelines. Um, you know, we do a, a, a surface product that basically you do, you do ATP testing on a surface that'll tell you whether or not that surface got disinfected. So a very basic, almost immediate feedback measurement that uh, you can actually put that sticker in your window and say, hey, my, my surfaces are actually clean. Um, on, a, on a more complicated level, uh, we've got systems that go in the, the basement of a hotel, for example, when they're cleaning linens, and we'll know with a you know, real-time data that that load of whites got all the chemicals it needed at the right temperature to, to be clean every single time. So whether it's you know, your linens, your towels, your robes, anything like that in a hotel, um, you know, we can validate that, that that wash load was done properly as well, too. And we've got millions of data points that we use. So you're measuring everything to standards that way, you're creating an assurance for each one of us as we visit, whether it's a hotel, restaurant, or any public place. Any plan at some point of time to take this to directly to a B2C, a consumer product, where I can walk in and see clean, not clean? That's a good question. And um, some ways we have. Um, the other, the part that makes it a little tricky is, is really, you know, 
the the further simplification of this to make it easy enough to use. I mean, you know, generally the applications are, are large industrial applications, you know, professional linen centers, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so the you know, part of our tagline of simple, clean, connected, um, that simplification to get to a consumer level, yeah, absolutely is in the, uh, it, it's in the, the, the long-term view and yeah, who knows with COVID, right? Uh, you know, then the, the assurance that we'd all like to have at home. Um, certainly that stuff can be scaled back, but whether it's easy enough for an individual to use right now, we're not quite there yet. Yeah, and I, I really think that's the part where what you and team are doing is so important is somehow there were some basic practices that we had forgotten. And you know what you mentioned, I love that, is the industry needed a jumpstart. And you and team, you saw indicators and you guys didn't need COVID to wake up, and some of us did. And I really think in that new world, you know, what you're doing is truly will be a huge impact again. Thanks for you and your team for working diligently to keep the world safe for all of us. Thank you. So now let's talk a little bit about Knight LLC. And you led the operations and distribution in Mexico, Canada, and then, you know, and distribution in Canada, UK, and Australia. And each country is different, culture is different, doing business is different. And then what was the common thread that made you and your team successful in each of these countries? Yeah, so the probably the biggest thing we did to drive alignment through all those, those countries and the you know, narrative perspective plans was something we actually call the goals fair. Um, did this my, my first year uh, run and night. And really what, what this goals fair was, was it was an open half day that we spent as an entire company, basically shut the whole business down, no phone calls, no emails. And actually, instead of giving everybody the goals top down to the organization, we had a few company-wide goals that we then let each department not only essentially define their own business goals and for their team members, but we made them present those to everybody in the organization. And it basically each department would spend an hour and we rotated through the whole, <clears throat> whole organization. And really what it, what it forced them to do was not only be able to articulate what their departmental goals were and how it related to the, you know, the top level goals of the organization, but also be able to help ensure that what they wanted to do for each department was aligned with every other department and give everybody the chance to say, hey, you know, in an open, an open and honest format, here's what we think we're supposed to do and here's how we think it's going to impact. You know, do you agree? Do you disagree? And, and really help ensure that, that every single person in the organization was, you know, number one, clear with what everyone else was going to do. And number two, it, it, it drove business accountability and individual accountability. You know, basically to say, hey, I, I stood up and I told you here's what I was going to do this year. <clears throat> and did I actually do that over the course of the year? Love that. And to me, I think, you know, what I really like is it's not just international, that concept that you talk about of presenting goals to each other. One is makes all of us feel shared owners of the business success. And the three things that you pointed out is articulating that brings clarity because when I talk, sometimes I realize I'm not making sense. And of course, right away, you know, you cannot fool yourself after that. And that's huge. The alignment with each other, how the goals fit, you know, fit, and then also the whole concept of individual as well as business accountability as you start looking at. Uh, a, you know, amazing CEO I worked with, uh, Scott Beck, he had put this thing called critical few because he got frustrated that, you know, anytime you would go and ask people, we, some of us were working on projects which 
seemed very important, but nowhere connected to the company goals. So he asked each one of us in a critical few to put on our cubes, our office. These are the three things Arjun's working on. And anybody and everybody could meet you anytime and have a conversation. Like you could walk into my cube and say, Arjun, these are the three. Why, why are you working on number three? How is that connected? So it just created that major accountability. But I really like this department level process. And you know, that was huge. So as we talked about the common thread, that's huge. But what was specifically did you change in each of the countries to be successful? Like what was different between Mexico, Canada, or let's say Australia? Yeah, no, no doubt. Well, you actually used one of the, one of the, actually the key words of critical few, which was fundamental really to the 80-20 process that we, we ran at the organization. Um, yeah, and if, if for, you know, for yourself or any, uh, any kind of, uh, any, anybody listening in, you know, the, the idea of 80-20, particularly if you go and look at how a company like Illinois Toolworks deployed 80-20 as far back as the mid-1980s, you know, an unbelievable philosophy in terms of being able to identify, like you said, the critical few, you know, what are those few, you know, not just, you know, products that make 80% of revenue or, or uh, uh, customers that make 80% of revenue, but what are the critical processes? Who are the critical people? Who are your critical vendors? You know, and that whole concept of critical few you know, is, is really a, an incredibly powerful tool for, for helping not only kind of run your organization day to day, but also you know, to, to your question, you know, kind of what those biggest changes were to be able to, uh, you know, to run those, those countries appropriately. So that being said, we, we did use that 80-20 methodology very deeply, and, and it's, a, it's a very analytical process. And what we found was we had spent the better part of the last decade actually getting way too wide, you know, way too many product lines, way too many markets to focus on, and it actually kind of taken our, our vision away from what our core business had been for about the 30 years before that. And it actually drove a lot of that diversification to other, other continents that, that really got us too wide. And our biggest finding that we found was we had over-deployed resources in those other countries, and, and then we had gone after too many um, too many, let's say, ghosts of old strap plans passed where we thought it was a great idea and sort of left resources and left those processes in place. And really what we did was, yeah, the, the, we redeployed, you know, quite a bit of resource from those other countries back into our home market in North America and actually redoubled down on innovation in our core product lines and, and really go to over-serving our top customers here in North America. Love that. So to me, as you are at this point, you know, we talked about level solutions, we talked about before that night LLC. How did Chip arrive at this point of his career? Like what were some of the key stops and what were some of the key learnings that brought you here? Yeah, I'd say the, the, the key, uh, really the key overall had been flexibility, quite honestly, you know, really to, to be flexible over time. You know, I spent a, a lot of my career, um, you know, in, in big corporations, particularly public corporations. Um, you know, we'd moved three times in five years, basically, uh, you know, kind of going through you know, different roles and different, uh, you know, different growth patterns throughout the organization. But being able to say, hey, you know, Maybe I, you know, I couldn't see clearly what that next step would be, but I was open with my my bosses and my mentors at the time to say, hey, you can put me anywhere in the world, you know, and I, I as long as it's something where you think it's going to be high growth, where I'm going to learn, even if it's you know, horizontal for a year, um, if it's going to help me grow and be better for the long term, very open to it. And uh, you know, it we were I'd say lucky enough at the time to to have that sort of geographic flexibility and desire to to get up and go. But um, yeah, being able to being able to move and be on different continents in the span of let's say 36 months and take up different roles, see different 
meet different people, be around different cultures internationally and, and nationally as well too. Um, you know, really was the, the biggest stepping stone from a, let's say middle of my career standpoint. Love that. So you did a lot of work in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. What was doing business in Amsterdam like? How is it different? <laughs> uh, it, it's a little bit of a different, uh, um, oh, what's the right word? Um, we work, we work more hours, I'd say, in the, in the U.S. And I, what that also translates into is um, a Dutch response that I don't think is incorrect a lot of times. And I say, one of the things that was most eye-opening, I remember it was, let's say it was June, July timeframe, the first year I was over. And I remember, let's say it's a Friday afternoon, and I'd sent a note to one of the guys working on our team. He was working on something that we needed as part of an audit engagement. And I got out of office that said, I'll be out of the office until September 1st, you know, enjoying my holiday. And I remember thinking, it's mid-July. You know, what, what do you mean you're out of office till, till September 1st? Is that a typo? You know, I asked people, I said, no, no, no. You know, he's, he's on vacation for the, you know, for the next month and a half. And, uh, you know, he'll, well, when he gets back, the work's still going to be there. Um, you know, it, it, it'll, it'll be fine. You know, is, is the customer really, you know, burning? Is it really that big of an issue? And you kind of look back and you go, you know what? You may be right about this. And, and I, I do think the American mindset is always, you know, right now, got to get done. You know, it, you know, everyone's got the, uh, get their foot down in the accelerator all the time. And, and there is elements of that that the Dutch do carry uh, and that Europeans in general carry. But at the same time, you know, sometimes there's something refreshing about saying, hey, you know what? It, it's still going to be there when I get back. You know, go on vacation, unplug the phone, unplug your computer, mm -hmm. you know, truly decompress. And uh, when you get back, you can, you can take care of the work. It doesn't always fly in the face of, of let's say, North American culture, but uh, it certainly is refreshing if you can, let's say, be in that and, and embrace certain elements of that culture. And to me, this is unique because just last week I was talking to Daryl Emmy and he wrote this book on growth, on how to accelerate your growth. And one of the things that Daryl taught me is every three months, he takes a three to four day sabbatical. And he talked about how important it is. You know, to me, it just right away reminded, and when you're talking about you know, the Dutch way is we all need routine maintenance shutdowns. And I really think that was, you know, such a great learning and thanks for sharing. So Chip, who or what incident has been one of your biggest inspirations in this journey of yours? Yeah, absolutely. So probably the, the biggest influence is a guy named Joe Hunt. Uh, Joe was a, um, a mentor of mine for several years back, gosh, I don't know, probably five to eight years ago, something like that. Um, you know, I'd mentioned the, that ITW and kind of the 80-20 mantra. And he was the one that um, really, it was almost like a a 12 month MBA, you know, kind of sitting next to Joe. Um, he was uh, he was a consultant that we had helping us out, but he also was one who basically his business was to deconstruct and reconstruct businesses um, in, you know, give them, give them two hours in a conference room with the GM of the business. And you'll, you'll learn more about that business and how to, um, how to, how to build it bigger, better, faster, and also how to understand people, um, more rapidly and in more in depth than I've, I've ever uh, could ever have imagined. And really spending time with Joe to understand that the 80-20 process um, and really kind of how to 
how to learn about a business and how to put it back together better than it is now in a, in a short period of time. I mean, his, his whole methodology was, you know, can you deconstruct it and then rebuild it in the, in the span of, you know, three months, you know, not, not years. So let's do it now and, and make these, these quick pivots and be able to improve the thing rapidly. And, you know, I mean, among other, you know, uh, Joe Hanisms and there's, you know, people that know him could probably write books on him. You know, one thing that, I think I wake up talking, thinking about every single day for the last six months. He always said, great businesses choose not to participate in recessions, right? Great businesses choose not to participate in recessions. And, you know, that has been, you know, something that's kept me sort of increasingly motivated through COVID to say, hey, you know, Joe always said these times were going to come, right? You know, whether it's an economic recession, whether it's a financial downturn, whether it's a global pandemic, you know, the best businesses don't just sit and wait for, you know, for us to come out the other end, you know, they start acting immediately. You know, let's shift now, let's, you know, let's make those changes now. And uh, let's, let's be the one that, uh, again, chooses actively to not let ourselves just fall with uh, the rest of the ships. I love that great businesses choose not to participate in recession. And I really think that just connects back to where we started was level solutions did not need COVID to make a better cleaning solutions and measures and everything else you guys looked at. The whole key performance indicators and why the world needed a bigger, you know, better solution as we go forward. So Chip, you know, based on your career, if you could draft your career and script it, where does Chip want to go? What's success, ultimate success? Yeah, so I mean, it's uh, I think success is sort of twofold now. It's been it's been very enjoyable to you know build a few things from uh, really from scratch, and also to you know have, have jumped in and helped out some other businesses as well too. Um, you know, I, I also chair a, a sheet metal roofing business up in uh, up in Los Angeles called Bay Cities Metal Products. Um, really fantastic legacy business, been around for for 60 plus years. Some of the best products in the market and the best customers in the market, and being able to take some of those lessons you know, over the last decade, particularly some of the, the 80-20 mantras, and help uh, help take a, a a great privately owned business and turn it into an even greater, faster moving agile business. That's just fun, you know. And it's it's great to see you know the the potential start to come into organizations and particularly niche manufacturing. You know, it's a uh, I think there's there's so much focus in, in in the U.S. around Silicon Valley and Wall Street, and you know, there's sort of that yeah. There's that under there's that undercurrent always of you know let's make manufacturing you know as strong as it can possibly be in the states. But you know when you actually get down to these small under fifty million dollar businesses, there's a ton of them. There's a lot of unlocked potential. And really you know from a professional standpoint, helping you know those you know helping find the right businesses to really continue unlocking that potential is just it's it's fun, it's fascinating, it's invigorating. And there's great great small businesses that that need that sort of attention. Love that. Thanks for sharing that. So you're listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Today, my VIP guest is Chip McCaslin, founder and CEO of Lavo Solutions, a visionary who's making a big impact in the COVID-19 world. This last section, Chip, is about rapid questions and short three, seven, 10 word answers. Are you ready? Let's go. First is now let's go beyond the businesses that you've run, and I just want to look at you, the leader at the core, what will be your advice to anyone in any walk of life to be a successful leader? 
Sure, sure. Short and sweet, the, a, a mantra I've used, act with intention, communicate with confidence, lead with clarity. Um, without breaking all those down, um, again, the, one more thing? Act. Yeah, act with intention, communicate with confidence, lead with clarity. Love that. How do you define a big win? A big win is from a, let's say, business and organizational standpoint, exceeding the expectations of everybody in the organization. And that's only really be communicated if you're the leader of knowing what everybody's expectations are, getting that wide open, and then clearly communicating to everybody that you have exceeded those expectations. Love that. I also would add what you shared earlier is a big win also is for five years, you and team working on something which when we need, it's very assuring to know that somebody was working on it for the last five years, <laughs> instead of having a knee jerk reaction to get it done. So again, kudos to you. I just can't get it out of my system. I'm very, very impressed and wowed by that. No, thanks. And you know, you are working with a lot of different businesses. You talked about you know, the businesses below 50 million. So what do you see as one big reason why businesses fail to grow? It's stifling creativity from everyone in the organization, you know, whether it's through bad processes, leaders that just aren't receptive to hear it, managers aren't receptive to hear it, employees that aren't comfortable stepping up and, and offering, uh, offering advice and guidance and perspective. Love that. Bad processes. Most leaders completely rule out some obstacles from their mind. You know, top athletes remove the word no from their dictionary. What's the word not in Chip's dictionary? Yeah, we, we talked about the Netherlands. The, the Dutch phrase is niet mogelijk, and that means not possible. Um, it's, it's, anything is possible, everything is possible. And, and to sidebar on a, on a quick story, um, you know, one of the, um, we're in a period where you, you have to sort of, um, you have to sort of, you know, take every paradigm you've got and, uh, and be able to sort of, um, be able to, 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 to potentially modify that or change it very rapidly, right? It's just, whether it's your business, it's yourself, everything is 180 degrees different than it was, you know, let's say six months ago. And if there's something standing in your way that you think it's just not possible, you know, you, you, this is the time where you've got to find some way around it or some way through it right now. So if we could time travel and Chip in 2020 could go back in time to that young Chip, the kiddo just graduating from high school, based on everything you have learned in life, what would be one advice you would give that kiddo? Yeah, it, it makes my blood boil to say it, but be patient. Uh, you, you'll, you'll get there in time and you don't need to uh, overly stress along the way. Mm -hmm. And I really think that connects so well with the concept that you talked about is once you have the right mentors and you trust, being flexible and being open is so important because things take time. Finally, you know, anytime I work with any leaders, I find that success that is planned and there's a process behind has the higher probability of repeated success. Okay. Like random success. If I came to you and say, boss, I did this. Great. How do you do it? I have no clue, boss. I can repeat it. So to, in that spirit, you know, and you have had such a pattern of repeated success. I really want to understand, is there a process? Is there a first thing you do in your business world? Or what's the last thing you do as you're winding down from your workday that is repeated that makes Chip successful? 
Yeah, absolutely. From a, a, a process, um, my, the biggest thing that, that I do every day is it's 5 a.m. to about 7.30 a.m. Uh, up at 5, all my emails are done by 5.30, 5.45. The first couple cups of coffee are down. Uh, workouts done. Spend an hour with the kids. And being able to being able to basically be ahead of everybody else at the start of the workday uh, mm -hmm. enables me to have you know, the, the headspace that I'm going to come in and be, and be able to be effective and present um, you know, physically you know, in, in, a, in a good place. I uh, have uh, gotten up and got the endorphins flowing for the day. Um, you know, if, I, if I have that effective 5 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. every day, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, whether, it's a, whether you're on vacation, you know, honestly get up and, and get the day started or, uh, or hitting the workday, traveling internationally, stay on that same schedule, um, that day is almost guaranteed going to be a, you know, a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10. Love that. So tell me a little bit about your kids. So you just talked a little bit about them. would love to know a little bit about them, the names, and, you know, this is a moment of a proud dad to yeah, share about your amazing kids. Absolutely. Well, I've got, uh, I've got uh, newly a, well, I've got two kids and a new puppy from four days ago. So uh, girl dad at home, I've got uh, a nine-year-old daughter named Elizabeth or Liv, and I've got a six-year-old daughter named Avery. Uh, and then we did have a, uh, an eight-week and three-day-old puppy named Maisie. So uh, yeah, all, all girls around the house. I'm uh, yeah, proud to be a, uh, yeah, a, a girl power uh, enthusiast with them. And uh, yeah, it's a it's it's an absolute pleasure uh, watching you know watching the the values that you think you try to put into to, to make just good little people and then watching them blossom into you know being you know, good and respectful fun uh, just just great people to be around so it's a, it's an absolute joy every day with them. So to me, I think listening to you, family values is very important. And that flows so beautifully into your corporate world. What are one or two core personal family values that you bring in that defines Chip, whether I see him and talk to him at 5.30 in the morning or at work or meet him at a restaurant? So what are some core values that define you? Yeah, that's it's a good question. Um, it's fine. On the core value side, you know, we actually did something uh, with Labo that's maybe very different than other organizations. We actually wrote our core values a few months before we even set up the organization. Uh, we have a, a one pager that's got a, a who, what, and why, and then six different core values with some sub bullets. And we actually said, even before we start the company, we wanna know what this thing looks and acts and feels like. Um, a lot of them are pretty simple, but uh, you know, the, the few that stand out to your question, you know, number one, 100% um, safety ratio every single time. You know, whether, it's, you know, whether it's being a good business partner or being a good spouse or being a good father, or being a good friend, um, that 100% safety ratio, I think is paramount to, to keep trust high in, in any relationship all said and done. Um, and, and then the second, uh, you know, the second value, and it's uh, it's actually sort of written as um, as such with Lavo is, is I think under the subheading of family is you know we treat the organization like a family business, and when what we say uh, among other things is we, we take a long term perspective, you know, so we'll do things that may not make sense for the short term, but from a long term and, and who we are, we, we will make that decision. And you know, secondarily, um, we're gonna make mistakes and we ask for forgiveness when we make those mistakes and we demand others uh, you know, do the same in return. So literally stated in our, our LAVO values are, we're gonna mess up, you know, as long as it wasn't malicious or illegal, that's fine, you know, say you're sorry and, uh, and, and everyone moves on. Because you know what, someone's gonna be asking you the same thing tomorrow. And I think it holds true in business and, and life as well. Love that. 
anything else you want to share? So the the last thing I would share, if there was one thing that um, that was from back from a business standpoint, that the most important thing that I think I was able to do, or maybe sort of embraced, uh, or was forced into, honestly, maybe with uh, with working at KPMG early in my career. Um, Put in the time early. You know, I know it's it's tempting when you're in your low to mid twenties to you know to to have fun to you know work work just enough to sort of get by. But um, you know the the environment we're in was you know you're put in forty to eighty hour weeks. You know, in some cases, you know you, you stretch up to a hundred during busy season. And as much as you can learn earlier in your career, just soak it all up. I mean, be in every meeting you can, meet every person you can. Um, you know, don't be afraid. Go up and, and ask questions and, uh, and and really lay a foundation for yeah, knowledge and for just hearing the, the terminology that uh, maybe you don't need it, you know, next week or next month, but you'll be able to dig into that arsenal at some point later in your career. And uh, yeah, and, and for me, those, those first couple of years of, uh, of being able to have a backstage pass to, you know, some of the world's uh, largest companies, uh, again, with, uh, with KPMG was invaluable to just understanding how businesses work, uh, how people work and how to be successful long term. So put, it, put in the time early, it'll pay dividends long term. Love that. Thank you, Chip. Really appreciate this conversation, learned a lot, and I wish you the very best in with Lavo and Journey Ahead. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Arjun. A absolute pleasure, and uh, yeah, really appreciate you having me on. So today, just listening to Chip, my VIP guest, founder and CEO of Lavo Solutions, a visionary, a few things that really stood out in the conversation. And even though Lava Solutions, initially I was more looking at how relevant it is today, but what he shared was something which is broader than being a state of art cleaning, cleaning solutions. And he talked about how we must have root in data to see results. He talked about how they have millions of data points which measures everything from every load, how it is being cleaned, how much the chemicals are being removed to every details and that is what it takes. So that root in data was a really cool concept that was very important. The second is, as Chip talked about taking the businesses to different countries, he talked about something which is nearly universal. And that's the part where start with the business goals, but then have each functional area have clarity of goals and share with each other. And in the process of sharing three things that Chip pointed out that happens. One, the departments themselves articulate the goals and there's clarity. Second, there's interdepartmental alignment. And third, there's individual and business level accountability that happens. Simply unique, simple concept, but that I think is essential for different people of different cultures, different backgrounds to work together as a common brand. Then there was the advice that is very relevant to those of us who are early in our career. And you know, he Chip talked about be flexible, be open, find the mentor, trust the mentor. Sometimes it's okay to move laterally, but it's all about learning more, adding more value. And towards the end of the conversation, I really appreciate you adding a little more dimensions to that by saying, putting your time early in your career. Don't be scared to invest early because laying the foundation early is important. And finally, the fourth thing that was very important was 
that even before the company was started, who, what, and why was clearly defined. And that started just like a family has who, what, why, who we are. We never change those things. That's the core. The company's core values started out of that. So great insights, great learning. Again, thank you, Chip. Thank you all for listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. And I'm looking forward to next week in the next episode to bring you similar amazing insights from, from another leader, from another part of the world, another walk of life. Until then, happy listening. Enjoy the podcast. Please share, review, and if you can, do a rating or two. Thank you. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.